This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I just find it interesting that the Bruins have had a boat between, between regular season and playoffs. So this is dating back to the year before last at the end and now this year. They've probably had something like 30 or so games, give or take, with the possibility of having a line of Krejci, Pasternak, and Hall. Now, uh, a year and a half ago, they elected to go with Hall, Krejci, and Craig Smith and keep that top line together still. Uh, and this year, like we've talked about, it they've only had a few games together. And even in some of those games, they kind of mixed and matched. And you're talking about not just Bruce Cassidy having this control. Now you're talking about a second head coach in Jim Montgomery, who... They just haven't, because because when I think of the Hall, Krejci, Pasternak combination, I just feel like it hasn't been given a huge chance. It hasn't been given a lot of leash, and I just wonder if if the coaching staff is seeing something like what we're talking about, where yes, there is there is magic to be made, but is the style do the styles of play consistently mesh? And I just feel like if you're Jim Montgomery. Because let's be honest, Coyle, Hall, and Frederick was not a combination we had in our preseason bingo cards. And even saying it out loud right now and seeing how it's like not bad, it's just it sounds weird to say. Um, but if you're Jim Montgomery, I think the way you sell it is Taylor, like this is this is your line. Similar to when we talk about Lindholm and McAvoy being on different D pairs, letting them letting them control the ice all by themselves and not have to be with somebody equal to them or better and kind of like, you know, you know what I'm trying to say? It's, it's kind of like they're doing the same thing here with the forward groups. Like if you have a line with passion, I call on Krejci, that's a lot of chefs in the kitchen that they want their touches. They have the skill set to, to execute, but can you, can you create that chemistry where it, you're, you're all, you're all in on the action. And I just feel like it's while off the ice, they, they would say they have no problem doing that. I think sometimes when you're in the middle of a game, these guys are, you know, the greatest in the world at what they do. They want the puck on their stick. And I just think that if you put Coyle, I'm sorry, Hall on a line with Coyle and Frederick, there's no debating, you know, who we want the, the, the whose stick we want to have the puck on their stick when, when you need to create scoring chances. And um, I think that that's probably how they're selling it to them. And quite honestly, I don't, I don't hate the idea. Like I don't, hate the idea of having a third line with Taylor Hall on it. It just feels weird to say because it just seems it just doesn't seem right. But for all the reasons we've talked about for right now, I have no issue with it. I think Brian also like, it's like a respect thing, right? Like when you put three, but when you, when you get put on a line with David Krejci and David Pasenak, you want to show them respect and give them the puck. So like you're taking chances away from yourself as well. Um, and same, like you see, when guys play together and and they lose that shoot first mentality a little bit because they're they're wanting to dish the puck to a Pasternak or or a Marshawn so that they um, 
they just feel like that might be the better move rather than them being the one to keep the puck on their stick and go towards the net. Um, so it's, it's kind of weird in that way when a lot of good guys play with each other, they're kind of like, no, you shoot it. No, you shoot it. You're really good. You shoot it. You have the puck. Right. Where like Trent Frederick isn't, he has no doubt if like, look, you don't, you don't, you don't want to be too selfless and, you know, pass up, you know, a golden chance to score. But like it is David Krejci. Now it's, it's twofold because if you, if you're on a line with Krejci and Pasternak, in theory, they're going to create a lot of space for you out there because defenders and oppositions are going to be so focused on, okay, make sure you don't let Pasternak get loose, like, like focus on Pasternak. And then while you're doing that, oh, wait a minute, here comes Taylor Hall down the left wing streaking and Krejci is going to hit him and everybody's focusing on Pasternak. So there is that element of it too. But from a physicality standpoint, Charlie Coyle's puck, puck protection and size and physicality along with Trent Frederick, especially in the offensive zone beneath the dots, like should should open up a lot of space for Taylor Hall because, you know, they're just going to be so difficult to take off the puck, Coyle in particular. So in in that sense, he'll get more room playing with them for a different reason but like like tonight's in tonight's game you saw taylor hall when he was on the ice with his line mates kind of taking over plays in a way that you probably wouldn't see him regularly with Pashnak and Krejci because they're all you know in Pashnak in particular is an all-world player so it's definitely interesting to follow and the other thing too with taylor hall is he's not in the first power play unit and even then you that you can't argue it because the Bruins, I think have the best power play in the league or, or they're right there. And the second unit, as a matter of fact, they've done a lot of the damage in, in the last handful of games too. I mean, your second unit, you're rolling out Lindholm, Krejci, Taylor Hall, um, Zaka, and a, you know, Nick Foligno and a Benjamin Button version of Nick Foligno. <laughs> so it's, it's pretty, it's the depth that they can roll out was pretty impressive. And they're not, they're not 19 and three by luck. They're 19 and three because when you have the amount of depth that the Bruins do as when it comes, as it pertains to game changes and whatnot, it can be somebody every single night. Whereas in the past, you know, they've, they've, they've found their, their way to have hundred plus point seasons, but it was oftentimes in the back of their power play and their top guys. But now you can have a given night where Zaka goes out there and scores two goals and the Bruins win three to one, or, you know, it's just, or it doesn't matter. There's a lot of depth to go around. Yeah. And you know, you, you especially think about on a night, like, Tonight, when you're facing Tampa, and we know one of their calling cards for all the success they've had in recent years has been how good their third line has been. Like, that's it's, it was critical, you know, three years ago when they beat the Bruins in the playoffs. It's been it was critical in both their cup wins. It was critical with kind of, you know, a different look third line. But again, offensive depth last year when they get back to the cup final. Um, and now you see a night like tonight, and it's like, now the Bruins are the team that has that third line where you're like, wow, like there's, there's not many teams that can match up with that. Like that's, that's a damn good third line, especially when you put to, it was a good third line before you swap Zach and hall. And now it just looks even stronger, you know, assuming obviously that, uh, that, that second line is able to produce. And I think they've been pretty good so far. I think you're still waiting for, you know, a little bit more, um, you know, five and five scoring from them. But for the most part, they, they, they've looked good. And, you know, with Hall in the third line, like the one thing that I was thinking of tonight is 
like the only thing I could think of that really really is similar is one of the years that the Penguins won the cup when they went back to back. I don't think they did it the second year, but the first year, Phil Kessel was on the Penguins' third line. He he did not play with Sidney Crosby or Evgeny Malkin. He was on the third line with Nick Benino and Carl Hagelin. And it was like that it created so many mismatches in the playoffs because it was like what team has the depth to match up with a third line that has Phil Kessel on it? Like, you know, he was pretty much in his prime or just getting towards probably the end of his prime years at that point. And it's like, yeah, not, not many. Like that's, that's a really tough matchup for teams to handle. And it's the same thing now. Like if, if Taylor Hall stays there and look, it's, he's not, they're not going to roll with this. Like all season long, it's going to be plenty of changes between now and, and March and April. And, but maybe they settle back on this. Like maybe, you know, they at least have this as an option. Um, And if Hall's playing the way he's capable of playing, that just becomes such a huge problem for other teams. And to figure out like, great, we just survived shifts from the Bergeron line and the crazy Passenark line. And now we have to deal with Taylor Hall coming on. Like that's, it's a nightmare. Yeah, it's almost like, I mean, first of all, we, we say this all the time. It's a good problem to have. Like the fact that every single combination seems to find a way to work, um, you know, it, it's not a bad thing that you you have to, you know, sometimes not even have to, that you can move it around and see what works and, and how different people play together. And then that way, say you get to the playoffs you can, you know, you don't have to show your hand. And then all of a sudden, next thing you know, perfection lies together. And then next thing you know, you know, check lines split up, hauls back on it. Like you, you could go to a bunch of different looks. You're not going to be in a situation where you have to give uh, the team you're playing in the playoffs, the same look over and over again. And you might be able to cause some confusion that way um, and change the, change the matchups, the coverage, um, just depending on the team and the game, sometimes it really just has to do with what team you're playing against, whether or not you would want to have Hall on the second line or the third line, or, or you know, you'd want to try the perfection line for a small amount of time, or, or whether that would be your best combo. It depends on your opponent, but to be able to have all those options um, is is a good thing. And just to put things, just to put their depth up front in, into perspective, um, you know. The Stanley Cup champions from last year, the Colorado Avalanche, and they're also the Bruins' next opponent on Saturday. So just a quick little exercise. Now, there's a pretty important player I'm not going to mention because he's out, but I'm going to read off their lines tonight from their game against the Jets. Just And, and match this up in your mind when I read these these lines off. You have Lekkinen, McKinnon, Rantanen. Obviously, two or three of those guys are elite, elite. Lekkinen's a nice little player. He's nothing crazy. Cogliano, JT Comfer, uh, O'Connor. Galchenyuk, Newhook, and Foudy, and then Anton Bleed, and then these two guys I've never heard of before. So I'll say their last names, Megna and Hunt. My point is, um, now obviously Gabe Landeskog, I did not read off. He must be hurt. So my, But that's the Colorado Avalanche, the, the defending champs, and projected to win the Cup this year, one of the favorites. I feel like I'm breaking it out because you guys are breaking yeah. it out. But okay. Um, so So – that just could. Brian, you jinxed yourself. <laughs> what's what's that? You jinxed yourself. You were fine. Then you make a comment about breaking up, and then you broke up. <laughs> and then you froze right away. So those were 
Colorado's lines for tonight versus the Jets. Now, all I was getting at was compare that to the Bruins forward lines. Like the the Avs are the defending champs and they're probably the odds on favorite to win the cup again this year or be there at the end. And even with Landis Cog out of the lineup for, for Colorado, he inserted him back in the lineup, like line for line, the Bruins are right there with Colorado, if not better on paper. So it just goes to show the depth. Now on the back end, Colorado has sick depth too, but so do the Bruins. So my point is that like, We've seen the Bruins play Carolina. We've seen play the Rangers, Pittsburgh, uh, Florida, Tampa. These are all some of the top teams in the league. Obviously, we saw them play Toronto, but that was kind of an off game considering the news that broke that day or the day before. But we know what Toronto is. The Bruins are up there with everybody, if not better than most on paper with the, with the depth. So it's just very, very impressive. Yeah. I, I mean, the I wish the Avs were, were at full strength because even in addition to Lannisgog, like they're also missing – Valerie Nishushkin right now, Evan Rodriguez there, you know, what they call middle six, third line signing this offseason, who would have at least helped with some of that depth. Um, so, you know, I still think they're going to be a, a, it's a good test for the Bruins. It's still another good opponent to face, but you're not getting them at, at quite at, you know, 100%, which is kind of a bummer because, like, I, I really just want to see this Bruins team against everyone at their best because uh you know they just got Tampa pretty pretty much at their best at full strength and have beaten them twice they beat Carolina like uh it it's really impressive so you know Colorado's next up but at, probably Vegas might be a little bit better of a challenge right now f- for the Western Conference teams um but yeah I mean to your point like Colorado had great depth last year and then uh, for, for cap reasons, couldn't keep it all together. And we've seen the same thing in Tampa where they mm-hmm. weren't able to keep all their depth together. Um, the Bruins won't be able to keep up, keep all their depth together probably as soon as next year um, at the very least, you know, two years from now, but it's, it's hard to do, which is why like you really have to take advantage of it when you have it. Like this is such a golden opportunity for the Bruins because it's extremely difficult to build a roster that's this deep. And we know why the Bruins have been able to do it because they have Bergeron and Krejci signed at way, way below market value. Like, yeah, if if you're number one and number two center assigned for combined three and a half million dollars or whatever, like, yeah, you're, you're going to be able to, you should be able to build a pretty deep roster off that. Um, so yeah, the, you can line them up against anyone in the league and they're going to stack up really well because other teams just don't have that built in advantage and, you know, have gone all in in other years and ended up in positions where they've had to move on from some guys. So, you know, it's, it's a great situation for the Bruins where they might be kind of hitting their peak as a team in terms of a deep roster as other teams have to do a little bit of, of regrouping and, you know, long ways to go. We'll see where everyone is at the end of the year, but um, right now, yeah, you absolutely can stack them up against anyone, Colorado, Tampa, or, or anyone else. By the way, to your point about this, the, you know, not getting the abs at their best, I mean, at least you're not getting them at their best 
right now when you're still trying to like extend that home winning streak and just make it completely impossible for another team to like knock that record down. So maybe when they play them on the road the following week, you know, if they're healthy, if the abs are healthy by then, that'll be when you can get your, your look at them. But as of right now, the Bruins are trying to keep that going and they have the abs in Vegas who are going to be two really tough teams. And obviously the, extra motivation for Cassidy to try to end that streak um, when he comes in with Vegas um, coming up. So, and by the way, I'm pretty sure that their um, Western road trip, that the biggest challenge they're going to face is uh, December 9th against the Coyotes. Yeah. Well, Coyotes goalie, Carol, uh, I'm totally going to mispronounce his last name, but Vimelka, um, He's been on fire and like, I only noticed this because I saw him like pop up in fantasy hockey when I was looking at potentially replacing Lena Selmark. Uh, if Allmark had missed time and I was like, wow. Okay. Like Arizona's goalie is apparently one now one of like the best goalies in fantasy hockey and has been red hot recently. I was so, being facetious. I know you were, but <laughs> what I'm saying kind of, we're like, is actually Bridget, you're right. Do not <laughs> underestimate Carol Vermelka. Or, of course, Nick Ritchie. Never underestimate Nick mm-hmm. Ritchie either. So, Scott, to the point about the depth earlier and having Bergeron and Krejci at your one and two centers, at, you know, whatever it is, at, you know, three million or whatever, the roster is set up right now as good as any roster ever has been to try to win a Stanley Cup. And, and I mean that from different perspectives. I mean that from the, from, you know, the depth of the personnel, but also the combination of the players you have on the team and where they're at in their careers, right? Like 2019, it's it's hard to to remember, but it feels like it was so long ago and other times I feel like it was yesterday, but McAvoy was only two years into his NHL career. And, you know, David Pashnak was still only like 24-ish or 23, whatever he was. Like, the, like their young stars were still young. But right now, I mean, Pashnak is 26 years old. McAvoy is 24-ish. DeBrusque is 26, I think. Like, they're not kids anymore. Like, the, you know, in, in the grand scheme of the world, they are. But in the hockey world, like, they're they're entering their their professional primes. And you combine that with the veterans that have been there and done that, like Krejci and 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 Marchand and, and um, Bergeron, obviously. Hampus Lindholm is, you know, 28 years old. He's been around for a long time. Taylor Hall, same thing. Like, it just feels like, everything is set up for them to do something this year. And I guess, I guess my, my question to you guys is how much of a disappointment would it, will it be for you guys if they, if they don't, and I'm even talking if they go to the finals and lose, because this team has been to the finals three times and they've lost twice. And it's not, it's Boston's not the type of town where it's forgivable to go to the finals and lose. If you go to the finals, we expect you to win. And the way they've started this year and with the importance of, of them winning because of their, the uncertainty of their future, obviously Bergeron and Martian aren't around forever and Krejci, I mean, as soon as possibly next year for a couple of them. Like, would it be disappointing for you guys given their start and the cap, you know, feng shui they've done, all that, if they, if they don't win this year? I think if they continue like this, yes. Like, those that those will become the expectations. They are. I almost... they? Are they not already? 
internally, yes. Like the, that's their expectation. Um, I guess more from kind of like the outside. I feel like because so few people going into the season expected them to win the cup or even be a serious contender that, you know, so much of the start has just been like pleasant surprise. Like, wow, isn't this awesome? And now I think like, especially as you go through this stretch of games against other tough teams, like if you keep winning through this, now I think this is when it starts to shift to like, all right, this isn't just a really good start. This isn't just a pleasant surprise or a good story. These are the Stanley Cup favorites. Don't you already feel like that, though? Like you yourself? I I do, yes. I feel like that already. But I'm wondering more from like the bigger picture of the whole Boston sports scene, fans, media, there's radio, no changing like the freaking Patriots people. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> it's what? still gonna it's it's still gonna be Patriots, Patriots, Patriots. Even if they suck no, the I don't I don't mean it. like what I don't like, I don't mean like what sports rate is like oh, talking okay. about. I, I mean like say it's that's just how it is here. No, I mean like how people view the Bruins. Like I I think that I think that shift is happening right now, where it's kind of on mass going from, uh, you know, real like great start, pleasant surprise, fun stuff to, Hey, like, shouldn't this team win the Stanley cup? Like, uh, that they look really good. Maybe we should start talking about them as, as Stanley cup favorites. I feel like we're, we're, I feel like we're getting there very quickly. So personally, if this is the roster that or I'll put it this way, if they go into the playoffs and they, healthy and all of their key players their top guys stay healthy and never and never go down with a serious long-term injury i'll be very disappointed if uh if they don't based off of what i've seen now because going into the year like you know nick felino has proven now he's not the same player he was last year he he's he's already matched his point totals from last year so if anything it's telling me that Last year, and the little stint in Toronto may have been his his career anomaly. Um, and he's just one example. You know, Pavel Zaka is a really good player. They got AJ Greer is making a difference. You know, all all their all their role players are playing really well. But I would be very disappointed because I'm watching a team who, personnel wise, is better than their counterparts in the Eastern conference on paper and so far on the ice. And I feel like in 2013, you ran into a Blackhawks team that was in the middle of a dynasty and in all likelihood may have been a player better than you on paper. And there was no shame in losing to them, despite how gut wrenching game six was fact of the matter is Bergeron probably wouldn't have played in game seven anyway, and they may have lost that series anyway. Now we can go back in time and talk about how they were up to one in that series. And we're an overtime goal away from being up three to one, but I'll digress. But the Blackhawks series losing, you could understand it. I think they completely choked away and let that St. Louis series slip out of their fingers uh, to lose three of four games at home. Inexcusable. So because because I feel like they got outworked in that series and let they let that series slip away. 
they 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 need to they need to they need to make make right for that in my opinion and they have the roster to do so i'm not being i'm not being um you know i'm not giving them unreasonable goals here like if if this if this you weren't you didn't hear me saying this last year cuz i knew that this that the roster wasn't what it what it was it wasn't a cup winning roster last year it just wasn't this is Hampus Lindholm and Charlie McAvoy is phenomenal on the back end to start with. And they have the depth up front. Um, if you lose to Carolina or you lose to Toronto or the Rangers or whomever in the Eastern conference, I just think it's a big disappointment. And then if you go from there, if you go to the, if you go to the finals, I mean, like I said, I mean, tell me who they play, but I think they could beat anybody. So I'll be disappointed mainly because they let 19 slip through their fingers. And because of what Scott mentioned, how, if it wasn't for Bergeron and Krejci taking these discounts, you aren't able to construct the roster around them right now. Uh, and you don't forget you have Martian and Pasternak at like six and change still. So given the fact that you only have one guy making market value, really, at least as a top player in McAvoy, it's kind of like they have no excuse not to. So I would be, I would be disappointed. My expectations have changed and rightfully so. I think that the most disappointing thing for me, if they had, especially if they go to the final and lose, would just be the fact that you really want Bergeron to end his career on, you know, a cup run or or get at least another one. Say maybe he decides to come back one other year after this, but like you know that him and Krejci are at the end of their their careers, and it would be most disappointing, and it would be really disappointing for the. the the team around them if they weren't able to pull that off for them I think that that's just like the general feeling that you get and the respect that people have for Bergeron and and wanting to make sure that the window like they don't close the window without getting a Stanley Cup this year I think just because this popped in my mind while you were talking Brian this was kind of funny um during the post-game press conference it was kind of a stupid question so this is probably why the answer was a little bit um out of whack, but Dan Shaughnessy asked uh, Jake DeBrusque about like, why is this team better this year than last year? And like, it kind of came across as like mean <laughs> and DeBrusque kind of like didn't know how to answer it. And he was like, well, we mostly have the same team as last year. Like it's not, you know, it's, I mean, we got crazy back, but like in reality, the team had a lot of changes like at, like from at least from how the team started last year like you don't have Lindholm at the beginning of the season you don't have Krejci you don't have Greer Felino's not playing the same way like it just was kind of funny when he, when he answered that question like no we're pretty much the same team like yeah you guys are a lot of the same team but you gotta admit that the the additions that you did get added so much yeah well and by the way Jake they didn't have the same Jake DeBrusque for the first half of last year. No, so, they didn't. So, you know, his, <laughs> By his, this time his last year, he was asking turnaround. for a also, trade. Yeah, also a big part of that. What, what, what's, what is DeBrusque supposed to do? Is he supposed to, you know, explain to, to Dan Shaughnessy how you know, the, 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 the impact that Hampus Lindholm has in transition and, and pushing offense? And, I mean, and, and, like, you know, a guy like Shaughnessy has no idea who's – who Pavel Zaka is. And like, I'm not saying Zaka is a superstar, but like he's, I mean, he's a very solid, solid middle six forward that they added to this team that they didn't have last year. Like I said, you can, you can almost, I know, I know Krejci replaced Halla as the second line center, but let's remember like Zaka and Halla were the ones that got traded one for one. So in my mind, I've always kind of been like, you got Zaka for Halla 
and then Krejci was the kind of like quote unquote free free ad in the offseason that you added to this team. And I think one for one, and we've talked about it before, I think Zaka is probably a better player all around than, than Hala and he's younger and he's bigger. I mean, like I think tonight's a perfect example. Like the the game winning goal is a perfectly encapsulates what I mean when I say like Zaka's not lighting it up in the score sheet, but he's doing a lot of great things to help them win games. Like oh, I know he missed oh the opening tonight. Almost fucking scored. I know, I know. So but he 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 has hit a few of those too in recent games. But you know he he's helping Krejci in the board battle. He he gets the puck to Lindholm down to Felino and then Hall. So he doesn't factor in on the score sheet, but he's very much a part you of know that. No, it's weird. He actually did end up getting an assist on that. Oh and, really? And Lindholm didn't. So somehow, and Zaka well, got the first right. assist. So. uh <laughs> Felino's pass to Hall must have like just glanced off Zaka's stick or skate or something on on its way through. Hmm. Interesting. Well, then, hey, he, it did make good a redirection. It did make a redirection. I thought it maybe went off Vasilevsky or someone or on the way through, but who knows? Maybe good karma it was for Zaka. him. But yeah, I mean, like it's it's to that to to that point, like Bridget, you mentioned AJ Greer. It's if when you think about how is this team different than last year. Well, first of all, Linus Allmark was not playing like a Vezina caliber goalie last year. He he played really respectably last year, but like he right now he's a he's like a Vezina candidate right now. So that's a big difference. Um, and you know, you added you added Krejci, you added Zaka, you added Greer up front, and let's be honest, you added Nick Felino. I said that last week too, but you added Nick Felino. I mean, this is who he was most of his career, minus the last year and a half. Like you, he was there in person but he was not affecting the team at all. And this is how he affected the teams in, that he played on in the past for the last 10 to 12 years of his NHL career. So you almost added him to one up front. So yeah. it is a different I mean, team. The right way, way to ask the question would have just been, what are you guys doing right this year? Um, you know, that's caused your success. Like you did no need to just be like, you guys sucked last year. What's the difference? <laughs> like you could well, just been like what's say co- that. Okay, no, but that's what like year. that's like what Debrusque's facial expression yeah. was. She's was reading like, between the lines, Scott. You should try it sometime. Yeah, read I, between I, the lines. Two quick comments on both of those. Uh, first on on Felino, by the way, with that assist, uh, already matched his uh, season point total from last year. Um, and then on Shaughnessy's, like I don't know. You know, I'm not like gonna be the like I'm not gonna like gatekeep covering the Bruins. Like the the more media, the better. But you could tell that it was like it was sort of you know the Dan Shaughnessy. Like I guess I should write about the Bruins moment because you know like obviously he's not there that much. Like uh, hockey's not his main sport. It's it's baseball, well, his football, daughter, and, his and daughter basketball. Is a college, his daughter plays college hockey for Yale. Yeah. But you know he doesn't he doesn't do much Bruins, but like it, it's fine, like whatever. If Sean, if Sean C's writing about the Bruins, that's that that's fine. But yeah, but to your point, like it was, it's obviously a question that like the players have been asked a million times already this year, like you know ten wins ago. But um, yeah, if you're not there all the oh, time, well. you don't know like what people have already covered, and <laughs> like if you're being redundant in different things, so. Anyhow, I just thought it was funny that just the answer was like didn't make a whole lot of sense because I think the question was just he was very confused. 